after an underwhelming performance on Sunday, the future of the Houston Texans is a conversation that needs to be had. Whether that's player or coach, we will break it down on the other side. But first... Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to today's episode of the Locked On Texans podcast, your team every day. Of course, I am John Hickman, followed by my boy Cody Davis. Super excited for today's show. We are free and available on all major platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like, subscribe, comment on the YouTube page. Cody Davis, you know, I'm going to dive right into it. The conversation surrounding David Cully and whether or not, I'm not going to call it a hot seat, but is he on the way mm-hmm. out? Is he going to be granted another year? And I opened up Sunday's, I'm sorry, opened up today's show with the co-opening with the loss, the underwhelming performance on Sunday because I want to dive into it at some point in the show. However, his future. How is it looking with the Houston Texans, Cody, in your eyes? And let's talk about that. Well, according to the athletic, David Cully will stick around for the 2022 season. The news broke last night. Well, not really last night. It broke after Sunday's loss to the San Francisco 49ers. And John, you know, I kind of find I, I find it kind of ironic that we are sitting here one week removed after you and I had the discussion on what the Houston Texans should do with David Cully. Because as you remember, you know, it, we, we were kind of split down in the middle on whether or not we wanted to see him to see him return for this upcoming season. But like I just mentioned, David Cully will be back as the Houston Texans head coach. And John, listeners and viewers, I'm looking at this from three different ways. First and foremost, of course, I kind of believe that David Cully did earn the right to come back because like I mentioned last week, and I'm going to reiterate the same point. When you look at all of the nonsense, when you look at all of the drama that took place with the Houston Texans, ever since the calendar flipped to, um, well, January 1st of 2021. And as a matter of fact, we could go back a little bit further because majority of the Texans downfall that we've been talking about for so long, you know, kind of started taking place in, in the early part of 2020. But when you look at the drama from players not wanting to be here, of course, you know, there's still the Deshaun Watson factor that is still hanging over this organization from the Jack Easterby nonsense to even Nick Casario on what the hell is he doing, whether or not he's making plays or not. David Cully has been for a lot of these players been uh, like a shoulder that they can lean on. And actually part of the reason why we have seen a handful of guys go out there every single Sunday and give it their all because, you know, yes, upper management might be failing them in a sense, but David Cully, because he has gained the respect because he has gained the trust from a lot of those guys in the locker room. It's part of the reason why we have seen a lot of guys each and every Sunday go out there and give it their all. So that's one aspect that I'm looking at this. Two and most importantly, I think this kind of showcase where Nick Asirio and the Houston Texans, how they view the 2022 season, which is another point that I made last week on if 
your top priority is to continue to develop your young guys, especially with the guys that you're going to bring in the 2022 NFL draft. The development of these young guys is still going to be a top priority for the Houston Texans moving forward. Now, what I will say to that point, that does not mean that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league in 2022. But at the same time, like we heard Nick Casario say that the progression of young guys like Davis Mills, Nico Collins, um, I'm even throw John Grenard in there because he be entering his third season. That is still the top priority in the hopes of getting the Houston Texans on a successful rebuild. But three and most importantly, John and listeners, and John, you can let me know how you feel about this. I'm wondering how much of the Houston Texans' decision to bring back David Cully is basically due to the fact that, you know, yes, the Houston Texans did kind of did kind of like prove a lot of people wrong because a lot of people thought that there was going to be the first 0-17 team <laughs> in NFL history. But when you take a look at other head coaching's job around the NFL, I'm wondering how much of the decision to bring back David Culley is simply due to the fact that the Texans still cannot get a legitimate head coach to come here and coach the Houston Texans. And look, right off the top of my head, you know, you take a look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, they have Trevor Lawrence. And of course, they're looking at a replacement after Urban Meyer. You take a look at the Chicago Bears, you know, they're looking at somebody that could take over and lead their young quarterback in Justin Field, because I'm pretty sure nine times out of ten, Matt Nagy, he has to be gone. And oh, yeah, course, they already you know, announced it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and the, another team like the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, after the whole nonsense with, with John Gruden, you know, those are three head coaching jobs that I can see a real legitimate. And what I mean by legitimate, there's no shot to David Cully, but I'm talking about like a real good head coach. I can see them taking over those jobs before coming here to the city of Houston to where, yes, David Mills, Davis Mills has shown some promise, but at the end of the day, you still have to deal with the nonsense and the foolishness of the Houston Texans upper management. And of course that has to do with Jack Easterby. Of course that has to do with whether or not Nick Casario is actually making calls. So, you know, I'm happy for David Cully that he is getting a second chance, but John listeners and viewers, if they are giving this man a second chance, I'm hoping that they actually let him make the calls as the head coach. Because part of the reason why we have seen the Houston Texans turn things around over the last two to three weeks is because he has started to get a little bit more responsibility as a head coach versus earlier in the year. It seems like he was just a name out there. Well, I do want to say and kind of refute claim of whether or not Houston is going to be, I guess, a top candidate team for a lot of the top candidates. The Raiders uh, and other teams that you named, they're going to have to fill those positions, but this is still the NFL. And if you want to move on from a head coach, there's always, and I do mean always, someone out there waiting for their opportunity. It's part of the reason why we got David Culley, I think, here in Houston. But I think overall, when I look at this situation with David Culley, and the Houston Texans, do I think he's the best option right now at head coach? I'm going to stand firm on no. However, I'm going to stand even firmer on I'm not a fan of three coaches in three years. And if we throw in and look at the interim part with Romeo Cornell, the Houston Texans had had in the last three years, if they move on, Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cornell to end out last season, and then now 
we're looking at Dave McCulley. If they move on, that'll be a fourth head coach, a fourth philosophy, a fourth – like, it'll be too much. And look at the players they drafted in their time frame that's been affected by that. Lonnie Johnson, John Grenard, Ross Blacklock, some of these players who maybe have shown promise or shown not to be as good as we may have wanted them to be, they are still part of this team. They've all been affected by that. We look at John Grenard. Houston had a, a, a terrible time last year getting sacks. John Grenard comes out this year with eight sacks, and he's missed some games, right? So I don't want that to linger on until year three or year four for some of these guys, right? I'm not a fan of that. And to give you guys some perspective on how that's bad, it happened to the Jags right in our own division. Jack Del Rio was fired in 2011, uh, 2012 season. Mel Tucker took over to finish that season. The infamous Mike Malarkey 2-12 and season, and then the Gus Bradley year. So they had four coaches in a matter of three years, right? That didn't turn out good for them. And look how they drafted. Look how everything turned out for that franchise during that point of time, right? Also look at the Lions. They've had three head coaches in the span of the 2020. Two were interim coaches. And now we look at Dan Campbell for the 2021-22 season right now. Not a fan of that, man. That brings so much inconsistency that your players and your foundation, and we're looking at this team that has quote unquote culture, not issues, but trying to rebuild this culture, that's going to be affected as well, right? So I'm not a fan of that. And I also want to look at this one question that David Cully was asked about <clears throat> how much does this last game influence the offseason? His response was they need to go out and play the game the right way. And then he ended with Nick and his staff, didn't include himself. So I'm wondering if this last game for him is something that he needs to win, right? I'm looking at that perspective. Does he need to get win number five against the team, against the Tennessee Titans, or you beat before? I'm sorry, he didn't beat them. They did beat the Titans, right? They beat the Titans before, early in the year. He mentioned in that press conference that they did a lot of things and they're still doing a lot of things. Remember that Houston Texans had four turnovers in that game. So I think this is a very important game for him to win so he can kind of get a little bit more I guess a sigh of relief going into the offseason as to why I should get another year. The guy previously had all of this talent, only won four games. I went into this year with a lot of uncertainty, roster, uh, a coaching staff, and I won five. This is what I think I need. This is why I think I need to come back compared to move, removing me for the next year. But overall, three coaches in three years, there is not a formula of success when you look at that in the NFL. You need some type of consistency. Uh, Texan fans, I have an incredible app, the Get Upside app, which I just mentioned. We're making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time we fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now for you Android users. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or SCORE for college and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. So that'll be up to 50 cent cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using the Get Upside app. And again, just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or SCORE for college. Welcome back, Texan fans, and thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Again, we are free and available on all major platforms for podcasts and YouTube as well. Cody, as we sit and talk about the future of David Cully, and whether or not he should be brought back. And, you know, one thing that I mentioned 
was the consistency factor for this franchise, not necessarily for him, but for the franchise. And I also look at a player in Justin Reed, and I'm going to bring up that word consistency. I think he's a player that my stance has changed on. You know, I was okay early in the season with the Houston Texans moving on from him this offseason. However, I look at a couple of games and I look at the entirety of his season so far, and I'm looking at a lot of different things, changes that were made the last few games. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about why Justin Reed should actually be brought back for the Houston Texans. Number one, the game versus San Fran, he did allow one pass for 29 yards. But since the Rams game, which was week eight, Reed has only allowed 98 yards prior to the Chargers game, where Reed allowed 69 yards on four completions. Reed passer rating was only 35. I mean, sorry, 39. He only allowed a 39% passer rating. He's cut down on a lot of those missed tackles. And here's Reed's numbers compared to one of the top safeties in the league in Steelers' Mika Fitzpatrick. Reed has played 13 games. Mika has played in 14 games. 15%, I'm sorry, 50% completion percentage, 230 yards allowed, 16.4 yards per completion, 72 passer rating, and two TDs, both of which came against the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. Now, when I look at Minka, he's allowed a 68 completion percentage, 394 yards allowed, 11.6 yards per completion, and 88 passer rating and two touchdowns, right? So they allowed the same amount of touchdowns, Mink is a better yards per completion percentage, but everything else is in the side of Justin Reed. Now, what has helped the consistent running mate play? They benched Lonnie Johnson. We know that. We was all up in arms. We wanted the young kid to get out of there. Lonnie Johnson was benched week nine. Murray Eric Murray struggled in week nine and ten, but since then in the last five games, only allowed 89 yards on eight completed targets. When I look at Lonnie Johnson, before the benching through week seven of the NFL season so far, uh, he allowed 326 yards, 15 completions, 22 yards per completion, and a 78 passer rating. Cody, I want to give you credit where credit is due because you mentioned a few weeks back that Justin Reed is a player that needs consistency from his running mate. And do I think Eric Murray is a high-priority player? Absolutely not. But I will say this, the defense as a whole has played better in the last five games. Eric Murray has played better in the last five games. And with that being said, the smart, dependable playmaker that Justin Reed can be, the big hitter that he can be, that has showed in the last five games. When I look at this offseason, do I think safety is of need for this team? Absolutely. You cannot go into the 22 season with Eric Murray at safety. But Justin Reed should be there. And I'll say this one more time. If you get some competent running mate play that can be consistent for now 18 weeks through 17 games, Justin Reed, who I still think is a tier two safety. But when I compare his numbers to some of the top safeties in the league, he is right there or maybe even better in a lot of categories. Get this man somebody he can play with for the next couple of years. I don't think his contract extension will be a lot of money. I think Houston will be able to save some money with him, bringing him back in the future. But my stance on him has changed. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Reed should be a Houston Texan for the foreseeable future. To be honest with you, John, I don't think Reed coming back to the Houston Texans will be up to the Texans. I think it's going to have to do more so if Justin Reed himself wants to come back. And I say that because, look, 
yes. One, first and foremost, let me say this. I'm actually hoping that Reed re-signs with the Houston Texans because he is one of the most underrated, underappreciated players in this league. And I do believe he actually has another level that he can go to. And if he stays healthy, and if, you know, speaking of consistency, if he stays in Lovey Smith's defensive scheme, I think we're finally going to see Justin Reed take that next step. However, John, yes, the last two to three weeks have been really good for Reed. But what I don't want to lose track of, and I don't think this is going to happen, the last two to three weeks of the season where the Houston Texans had their two-game win streak, and even in the games that they did lose, which I think it was the Seattle Seahawks game, um, they did look somewhat competitive, at least in the first half before the wheels came off. There has been a lot that's been going on with Justin Reed, and I have been told that there is a high possibility that he does not and will not come back unless the Houston Texans, of course, franchise tag him. and He's not a guy that's going to sit out because he doesn't want to come or if the Houston Texans overpay him and he just can't say no to the money. And when I take a look at his injury history, I do not want to see the Houston Texans commit that much money to a player where every other week it seems like he's getting nicked and knack and you don't know if he's going to be available in the next two to three weeks. And as of right now, we don't even know if he's going to be available for the season finale because he is now on the Houston Texans COVID list. Now, with all that being said, when, when I take a look at Justin Reed, one of the main things that he really has an issue with, not only does he have the issues of, of the inconsistencies that the Houston Texans have been given, but you have to remember that Reed is one of a handful of players who are still left under the Bill O'Brien era. You talking about a guy when he got here in 2018, he thought he was going to be a part of something special. He thought that he was going to be a part of a team that is going to be consistently in the playoffs, that's going to make a championship run or whatever the case might be. He wanted to be a part of that team. As we know over the past, what, 12 to 24 months, that is long gone. And Reed does not like the direction that this organization is going. And, of course, you also got to remember one of the last straws that determined whether or not Reed wants to be here in the city of Houston was that stupid suspension. And I have been told that that was the last straw for Reed. But like I say, Unless they overpay him or franchise tag him, I do not expect Justin Reed to continue his career as a member of the Houston Texans. But I want him to because if they allow Reed to walk out the door for 16 and Kirby this offseason, they're going to have a hard time trying to find his replacement. And I think that's where the issue comes in at, right? I mean, how many – I look at the draft as hit or miss. That's what the draft mm-hmm. is. You can – we look at the Oakland Raiders, right? And they've drafted in the first round with good picks. How many years? And they're still struggling as a franchise. Jacksonville we look too. at the Jacksonville. Exactly. We're just about <laughs> to bring them back up. Like We look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and how many first-round talents have they drafted and they missed on or things didn't work out or they just left their franchise because of the poverty that their franchise is in, right? Mm. And so it's a big hit or miss. I'm not a fan of if you have a player that's worth keeping around, letting that player go, going into the draft, because now you're looking at another position that needs to be filled. Now, I do remember the suspension, the suspension, excuse me, and I understand where Justin Reed is coming from. And I look at his situation as a tier two 
Uh, safety, I think the highest safety right now makes seventeen million dollars. We're gonna check that out really quick. So if that's if um, no, it's I'm fifteen from Justin. That. It's fifteen for Justin Simmons. He is the highest paid right after Buda Baker. But uh, John Johnson for the Rams, he's at eleven point two five. I can mm-hmm. see Reed getting around twelve point five or thirteen point five. The cap does kind of go back up this year. I just believe that if you're going to look at this situation for the Houston Texans, you already lost out on your star quarterback, right? The situation in relationship with Laramie Tunsil, nobody's really sure how that's going to end up this year. He may be out the door. He may stick around. Who knows? That'll be something that we look into. But if you want to keep somebody on this team that fits your culture, that's smart, really smart, on and off the field, I don't think you can move on from Justin Reed with at least not trying to mend that relationship and getting a contract that makes sense not only for the player but the franchise, right? And like I mentioned, when you put somebody next to him that can play some good football on the consistent basis, that's when you get the best version of just three. He's played in 13 games this year. He's had a suspension. And I want to say he's missed a game already due to COVID. So if those didn't happen, he'd be playing in 15 out of the 17 games. Injury hasn't necessarily been an issue for him this year. He's got banged up in some games. Whether he returned or came back, he's it would have been in 15 games so far. I think he's a player that you cannot miss out on, not because he's just one of these, you know, you know, generational talents at safety, but how much do you want to work on refilling his position? Because you went through that in the last couple of years. You had to refill uh, uh, Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, and that didn't work out. When you look at the situation with Deshaun Watson, it maybe worked out for your future, Considering the past, the last time we saw him, he only won four games. But you're also in that position now where that was something that you were sold on. You gave him that extension. Now, the next couple of years, you're going to be back in QB purgatory, which may leave you leave you in QB hell. We don't know. I don't think he's a player you want to just move on from without trying to fix things if you know you have other positions on this team that needs to be filled. Well, like I just mentioned, he holds the power on whether or not he does. Remember, he, he guys, stays here is an undrafted, an unrestricted free agent. It. Right. And just to read, is an unrestricted free agent for this upcoming year. So he does hold the cards. And when I look at franchise tagging, does Justin Reed get $15 million? Is the Houston, Texas okay with that? I'm not 100% sold that they would give him $15 million to franchise tag him. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, more eyes, and more lines than ever before. As football continues, it's March through the college football bowl season and pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. BetOnline to the website, sorry, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. BetOnline is where the game starts. Guys, thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We truly appreciate it. Be sure to check out our next episode on Wednesday. Now make your second listen to Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Good job, brother. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we wasted one of your years. I'm sorry. You should have 11 wins. 
The reason why I played that clip, John, and listeners and viewers, yesterday marked the one, I guess I'm going to call it the one-year anniversary of J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson walking off. And, John, I just felt the need that (laughs) – I just felt the need we needed to just bring it up really quick. Only because, look, it's crazy how much things can change in a year because I think at the time when we saw that clip, we knew that was the end of J.J. Watt here in the city of Houston. But what we did not know was that was also the last time we also see Deshaun Watson playing for the Houston Texans. And, you know, which is crazy because today marks the last time we all had an opportunity to talk to Deshaun. And I just remember him sitting there and it was asking him, you know, what direction do you want to see this organization go in? And he just said that I remember one of the things that that will forever stick with me. He just said that. There are too many people in this organization that thinks they have power and they don't. And we all need to get on the same page. And the main thing he wanted to see was leadership. Now, after Deshaun Watson walked off of that Zoom press conference, we all know everything that happened with Nick Osirio coming in, him demanding the trade, Cully, his his off-field legal issues. And, of course, that gets us to where we are a year ago. But, John, it's just crazy. <laughs> a year ago on yesterday. J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, walked out of NRG Stadium as a member of the Houston Texans for the last time. Yeah, man. I, I kind of joke with the uh, boys and men. Um, the, the boys and men song I just said, uh, sung out. But, you know, if, if, we're, if we're looking at that situation, I think it was very uh, – it was unprecedented. Huh. Right? And – you just look back months before that clip, get the extension, and you can kind of understand that J.J. Watt, he's out the door. His age and where the Texans were at the last time we saw him in that jersey, that didn't match up. But with Deshaun Watson, you know, you look at him as a player who is, I still, you know, regardless of what's going on off the field, I believe he's a generational talent. I believe whatever team that he eventually plays for, if he plays in the NFL again, and he was trying to work out a settlement between, uh, I want to say, 18 out of the 22 women not mm-hmm. too long ago. So he is preparing to gear himself for up. For the trade deadline, actually. Right. So he's trying to get that taken care of. Whatever team he plays for, they're going to be a plug-and-play. He's going to have success, I believe. But I'm not, I'm not – I don't really care about Deshaun. In this case, and I'm not saying that because he's a millionaire that's going to get back on his feet. And this is probably the first time that I've said this in a while. It's more so the fans, man. Like, you know, hmm. I, I scroll through, you know, I'm always in them texts and Twitter streets, <laughs> and I scroll through all the time, and I can kind of understand why some fans may still hold on to Deshaun Watson being in that jersey for Houston. You look at since 2022, the amount of quarterbacks that have played for this team that has been very underwhelming. You finally get the guys. Some people have been, you know, maybe figuratively or, you know, hypothetically praying for. Hmm. And Deshaun Watson, we need a quarterback. You finally get him. Rick Smith jumps up to go get him. And then four years down the line, this is what's happening. And this is why this is happening. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it because his mind is made up. That is what that video signals to me. Like, that is the last time a lot of fans had hope in this team. Now, granted, some of you guys need to move on. 
Some of you guys need to stop calling these radio stations or stop going off on Twitter and stop attacking people because of this one man that you may have may have not even met before, right? This is their life, living your life. But at the same time, I, I kind of understand him walking off that field, seeing 99 and seeing four and 99. JJ Watson, and Charles Amini, who was lurking in the background, too. Right. <laughs> so and, him in that yeah, and that was the last time, one of the last, <laughs> last few times we saw Chuck out here in their jersey. He's having, you know, some success with San Fran. But uh, they did waste one of his good years, plain hmm. and simple. And uh, – whether it was Anthony Weaver and him being a piss poor defensive coordinator, or just not not necessarily saying piss poor, but inexperienced, maybe in over his head, uh, maybe it's be, maybe we look at Bill O'Brien, who's the biggest culprit, the entity himself. However, when you go and have a season like Deshaun did, um, and you only win four games, I, I can't remember too many quarterbacks that have great seasons like that, and they don't win uh-huh. some, some at least more games, right? Uh, but it's not about the shine. I think it's more so about the fans. I will say this, that video should be the video that reminds you that life moves on. So move on. But it, de- but it depends how it moves on. That's the right. issue. Life it's, moves on, it but sometimes over. it can move in the wrong direction. And, you know, depending on, you know, because we have seen promise, in the draft class of 2021 from Mills to Jordan to Collins to Lopez to Wallow, it kind of makes it just a little bit more easier to watch that video. But, John, you know, everything that you just said about Deshaun Watson, one, it kind of proves my point. Like, yes, they did waste one of his years. They ended the season at 4-12, and 12, and it's something that you and I talked about, I think, a month ago. Give Deshaun Watson this defense, and I'm pretty sure the Houston Texans in 2022 are going to win more than four games because a lot of those games, what, 10 out of the 12s was one-score losses, and the majority of those came due to the, in, due to the transgressions of the defense. But that video – at the end of the day, and yes, I'm a reporter, I'm not a fan, but it hurts. It sucks because as we sit here on January 4th, 2022, we should not be sitting here talking about the possibility or being happy about the possibility of Davis Mills leading this Houston Texans team to five freaking wins. But that <laughs> is the reality, and I think people need oh to be happy when you look at – Folks around his teams, fans, the pissed off fans, the fans that understand the reality of the situation is instead of looking forward to the next decade of Deshaun Watson or you know in in his jersey, you need to start looking forward to the, the next decade of Deshaun Watson playing for somebody else, but maybe you reaping the benefits of the trade that you got back for those first round picks because that's what's gonna happen for uh Deshaun Watson. So uh move on. I have, Cody has, a lot of people have, but some of you guys have to move on. Thank you for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texans. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook. Also, take those thumbs, go over to YouTube, subscribe, like, and comment as well. The Locked On Texans podcast, that's where you can find us. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. Again, that's John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Thank God we didn't waste one of your good years.
You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.